0: Hi guys, it's your aunties from your
1: aunties could never podcast. Our question is do you think teleportation will work in the future?
2: Hello everybody and welcome to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast for myself, comedian writer and occasional actor Dame Baptiste. My producer friend Howard Cohen, aka Dehiza, hello, and a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked, and we are talking everything from
3: we are talking everything from the aunties from your aunties could never podcast. They got to come on at some point. Their question was: Do you think teleportation will work in the future? Please, I beg. Good question. (laughs) Please let it work in the Um... future desperate to have that in the future
2: I mean it's a great question I think it'd be very useful Uh, shout out to the aunties could never podcast Um, I feel like I think they have had an experiment with teleportation when they've been able to move one uh, subatomic particle to another place and that's how far we're because I think teleportation to work you have to dematerialize some matter and then it has to rematerialize somewhere else or you create an entirely new copy or clone of that matter so teleportation will work in the future, but it might be far in the future. And we'll be as long as we saw our other technological priorities, like our climate, we might get there. Otherwise, we might find ourselves being teleported to the face of the earth.
3: Well said. And hey, thanks for the question from the aunties. And suffice to say, on this podcast, we ask and answer all the questions, don't we, do
2: absolutely no question is too big too small or too hard to materialise on this podcast and if you do like the show please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and you'll never miss an episode or you can subscribe to us on ACAST the world's biggest podcast network where you can hear all of our very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests with that being said on today's show is an award winning broadcaster cultural commentator podcaster and school governor she was voted as one of the voice newspapers ones to watch and winner of the coveted We Are The City Rising Star Award in the same year. She is also the co-founder of the Black Mums Upfront podcast and not only that, I've known her for bloody ages. And her amazing community group, which brings the voices of Black Motherhood to the forefront and has delivered talks and panel discussions for leading brands such as Nike and Dove. We've also had her sibling on the podcast previously in the form of the amazing and mercurial Charlene White. But it's not about that, it's about the youngest now. So please put your hands together and welcome to the show, the lovely Karina White.
1: <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Jane. Thank is a
2: you. Golf slash Wimbledon applause. <laughs> nice and sophisticated Collide, white people applause okay. hey, and white people applause Howard I love that yeah. I love that
1: thank well, we you for having me we don't Dad. have our sound
2: we don't have our
3: soundboard as well but we'll give you Jamaican air horn <laughs> we'll, have our, we'll have the producer add that as well yeah exactly not that
1: sound I'm not here for it
3: do you fancy uh, teleportation Karina would you like to be able to do teleporting
1: I would love to teleport I right would absolutely it. love to yeah 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 I would teleport probably like where would I teleport to Do you know what? The championship games are taking place at the moment, athletics, so I would would teleport into the middle of the celebrations.
3: But ultimately, the real truth of teleportation is this, holidays are suddenly much easier, particularly if you've got bloody children and you need to transport them on a plane. That's all gone. That's yep. all gone.
1: Yep, you just hold their hand and teleport to wherever you need to go. And, uh, you know, with yeah, kids, they
2: might, they, they might run off the teleportation dock. Now your kid ends up being <laughs> teleported somewhere else. you got to track him. You're like, well, what happened? We were just about to teleport and the kid ran off. And then you go got to work out where the kid is and track them. So, Do you know uh, what?
1: After homeschooling, I think a lot of parents would probably welcome that yeah. to have a little break from their
2: just kids. A, just push them. <laughs> just, just push them. Oh, your parents <laughs> yeah. pushed you. I guess you lost and found would just be like
3: basically a crèche of people being like, <laughs> I mean, their, kids, their parents teleported about an hour ago, not been able to track them. Um, uh, it's probably time for a question, isn't it, Dane, as the format of this show dictates?
2: Absolutely. Karina, as our esteemed guest and long-time friend, we'd like to invite you to ask the first question on the podcast. It can be any question you want about any topic you want, which Howard and I would like to discuss with you for about 15 minutes and some change. And then my producer friend Howard Cohen would like to pose a question to you that we'd like to discuss for the same amount of time. And then finally, because I like winding you up, I'm going to ask you a question. Should we discuss for about 15 minutes or so? And once we're all done questioning and learning, we'd like for you to tell our listeners where they can find out about your good works, past, present and future. How does that sound to you?
1: It sounds good, though. But I feel like I didn't come prepared. Now, so now that's I'm trying to think even to better.
3: I'm really of... excited that someone's going to have to think of it off the top of their yeah. head. We like,
2: we like that. That's good. You know, and then that's we know it's genuine that it was in, it was in, it was in the forefront of your mind. I mean,
3: yeah. what's the question okay. on your? What's the question on your mind, Karina?
1: Okay, um, think about a time where someone really wronged you. Mm. If you could get revenge, any revenge, what would your revenge be?
2: Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Now it's a fascinating question. And you know what? The fact that it's been uh where's that inspiration? Who's 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 wronged you, Karina, that's made you think about that? we don't want to go to do about the names. Have you been wronged? Have you you don't want to do the names? Have you been wronged Listen. a bit, Karina? Uh,
1: do you know what? I haven't actually been wronged, but I was having a conversation um on Twitter. Someone was talking about basically like bad mind people and mm. stuff like that, and it just got me thinking like People act so PC and like, oh, take the high ground and take the high road. No, sometimes go low. And if you have to go low, what would you do?
2: And, but the question is is it even low? Because at the end of the day, morality is all subjective. So what, what we is considered very low might not necessarily be low. Now, it's an interesting question because for a long time, me and Howard thought we might call this podcast Dane and Howard Seek Vengeance. That was one of the working titles. <laughs> and we were going to put together a list of people that wronged us yeah. and work out a myriad of ways and how we would get our revenge. Tough to get guests so, for
3: that, weirdly. It was weird getting the, the, yeah, the guests. Book hey, remember, really? we used to, Yeah, remember that argument we had in school?
2: Come on down to the podcast and we'll discuss <laughs> it. And people would be like, where's the podcast going to be? And we'd be like, we'll send you a location at the time. Don't bring any family. <laughs> and it was really hard to get that. So we went back to the drawing board and now we got questioned everything. But... Yeah. The dream is still there, Howard, isn't
3: it? Uh, well, I mean, I, I've, I, oof. it's such a difficult conversation, this, isn't it? It's such an interesting one, because uh, like most It's a good people, one. This is how, make mo- this is how yeah, therapists make money. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> like a lot of people, I have... Wow, it's interesting. Let's use the terminology. The Jews call it broigus. Broigus is when you have beef, right? We're talking about beef with people, right? <laughs> And I look at some of the beef I've had in my life, um, and actually, sometimes I look at it and think, well, you know what, that was a chapter of my life, uh, and, and I've actually kind of moved on quite happily. If I was miserable, I would probably hold greater hatred, do you know what I mean, for that previous chapter. So... When you if, you, if your life's in a good place, you know, I feel like I've, I've been able to move on from certain things. A lot of stuff involving work, I think, a lot of the time uh, where you're in a creative industry, it's very messy. People don't know what they're doing most of the time, do they really? So it's always going to go wrong somehow. Um, so I would say that I actually don't have that much vengeance to wreak. Well, ah, well that's that you. No, i am giving that, Yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like I've got that much vengeance to wreak,
2: really. I, I feel like I feel like, you know, Howard is a happily married man with a family, and I feel like <laughs> that's probably diluted the thirst somewhat. That's probably satiated your first thirst for vengeance somewhat, Howard. Um whereas me, I'm petty. Petty, petty, petty. I, I think in terms of I suppose vengeance is what kind of why I would seek vengeance. We have to make sure that I, I, we, when people have acted or done wrong by us that it comes from a place of malice. Because there's been times where, like, my parents have done stuff to me and I thought I'd be like, I want vengeance. You're going to pay. Like, <laughs> but then I realized on reflection that they were probably trying to act in my best interest or the fact that people just make mistakes. And sometimes when you put pedestalize people or especially an authoritarian or a guardian hmm. and a lot of time you could create like a uh you, you create a perception of them that makes them a lot more infallible. So when they do mess up, you're like that person did me wrong when really they're just a person and people fuck up all the time. That being said, there are some people that do act in malice and sometimes, you know, people should that should be redressed and if they're not prepared to take accountability themselves. Sometimes you have to create a situation where people have to take accountability. You know, in the do you same. You know what? I,
3: I would genuinely say because I'm thinking about what, what I could say here, and the reality is, I, if I actually was honest, I could probably end up in like kind of actual legal disputes by talking. So, we're not not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> Where's the body buried, Howard? Yeah, no, it just, <laughs> just 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 it just just isn't worth it. But what I, I can tell you is this: is is that actually sometimes I think. The punishment for the person is to never hear from me again, because I like to think listeners and Dane and Karina that I, I I'm I'm a reasonable, positive element to a lot of people's lives. I could list the people uh, in my life that like having me in their life, and genuinely like even people I've worked with who like you know they thought I was talking nonsense about something and then i actually was proved right and i never want i never i'm not going to rub faces i'm not like that but you know we had differences of opinion i've got great relationships with some people i used to work with so it's not like i can't work once you work with me you never work with me again you know um but i think the the the, the damage for some people is just to never hear from me again you, you get no howard not even a drop you i love that, that though yeah, that's
2: yeah. true I think that works, Howard. I, I think that works because as well, it's um, human beings are a social species. And I think even when people are doing stuff that when they're acting in a toxic way or in a detrimental way to other people, or particularly a parasitic way, where it's some, uh, I heard a saying from someone that you have people that are taps and drains and obviously a tap being someone that provides value because you can go to that source and you can get something from that. And a drain is someone that can take energy from you. And I think when you do find people that take energy from you in a negative way, as Howard said, I think ultimately their comeuppance will be the fact that most human beings have a threshold for how long you can drain them. And people like that, once you build a mm-hmm. reputation for being a drain more than you are attached to most people, even people that won't confront you directly will tend to like just avoid you. And mm-hmm. I've noticed that with a lot of people that initially I wanted to, I sought vengeance from or wanted to like, you know, give them a piece of my mind or lay out what I perceive to be a litany of injustices they've committed against me and other people. But then, when I look at their lives now, I look at the kind of people that they're around today, and I'm kind of like, it's almost like I feel pity for them because human beings. Because we're, we're people that match so much, it's like, and you know, people talk about the law of attraction. For someone to exhibit a certain type of behavior, it means that only people who have a similar complex can kind of be around them.
3: I, I think there's a there's there's there's, there's a kind of uh, adjective difference in some, the way some people you have vengeance or issues with them is like sometimes you can genuinely be like. That is one of the most toxic human beings I've ever encountered. And I wish for nothing from them forever again. And my only solace is to know that the likelihood is that they're going to die alone. Uh, and I've got about three people I can name that are going to... Me no too, Howard. No one's going to be there for you. When, uh, the, uh, the guarantee no one's going to care. But then there's yeah. another version, which is slightly where Dane was going into that territory, which is... Um, when you're really disappointed in someone you love, that's a thing. That's a different thing. That's like this yeah. person is kind of, whether they realise it or not, kind of let me down. Or, well, actually, in, in this era, do I? Do you? Do you? Is that fair? Can you also say that people are suffering in some way? Maybe I can't understand, and it's made them act in a way that's hurt me. You know, it's that kind of scenario. Yeah,
2: I think over time you can kind of see when someone might be projecting, and I think. When you understand yourself and your own emotions, feelings, and even your own traumas, it can make you understand people a lot more. Mm. So as I say, going back to the example about parents and stuff like that, I, I might just be like, do you know what? You won't just be the dick. You're, only, you're just basically using the only coping mechanisms that you have and the only experience you have to apply that to a particular situation. And so sometimes when you have that context of people, like I found when I started doing comedy and was making no money, I spent more time living with my parents than I ever planned to but it allowed me to see them for people as well as parents. And Mm. so I was just like, yeah, sometimes, you know, people fuck up, just like in the same way that I do. And even though I can fail and and, and I can make mistakes, and I'm not doing that through the lens of being someone else's dependent, and so it's a lot easier to make my mistakes. Mm. Whereas my parents, obviously, they might make the same normal human mistakes, which are quite banal by human standards, but because there is a dependent watching them do it, you might be like, oh, like you, you might take it a lot harder because you're going to you create this idea or this kind of image of your parents would be infallible. But um,
3: are you any good this- at, Karina, are you any good at dealing with these scenarios or are you, you've asked this question, you, you've opened up this can of pain? <laughs>
1: Do you know what? I think what it is for me is it kind of depends on how much I value the person, hmm. right? So if it's someone that I value and I really value their friendship and I feel like not being friends with them or not, communicating with them any further will be detrimental to my well-being or my emotional well-being and I might miss them or whatever then I may take the high road especially if and and especially if I feel like what they did to me didn't come from a bad place like it was just something that was unintentional right if it's someone that I feel like no, it came from a bad place. You were very intentional in what you did. You didn't care whether you upset me, you hurt me or whatever. Then it depends on how I feel at that time as to how I respond. I may want to take revenge or I may just completely lock them off, not have any further conversation, communication with them, anything at all. There's been people that have like fallen out with me. And to this day, I don't know what I've done. And like now they try and edge their way back in and communicate. And I'm like, that's fine, but we will never be the same again. And not necessarily because they did something to wrong me, but you felt that I wronged you in some way and you didn't value our friendship enough to actually communicate to me what that issue issue was, right? So now we can't go back to that because clearly somewhere along the line, you didn't feel that you could have that conversation with me. But if it was something like really, really terrible, like really terrible, I'm very petty. Like I'm so, I can be so petty. And as I've got older, I'm less petty, but I do have my um, tendencies to be quite petty. So again, I think it would depend on how I felt at the time on that day as to whether the pettiness in me would jump out or whether I would take you know, like what Dane said is perceived to be the high road and just let it slide and just think, like Howard said, you'll never hear from me again. And that is a loss to you and not to me.
2: And I think that's the main thing is that, like, even in the act of seeking vengeance, really it's an act of us protecting ourselves from further trauma or leaving ourselves open and vulnerable for somebody to, um, for lack of a better expression, take the piss with us again. And Mm -hmm. so I think the best way to... The best revenge, and by that, I reckon the best type of revenge, that's why they say success is the best revenge. Because if you can arrive at a place where, and that's the thing, I think even when you have the the breakdown of relationships, whether they're romantic or platonic, is that you go through these stages of loss, which will involve, like, as people say, like denial, uh, anger, bargaining, acceptance. But I think the last stage is normally indifference. And I think that's always the best revenge, where somebody has had some kind of emotional pull or attachment to you. When you arrive at a point when you're indifferent about that connection because you've been able to grow or you've learned you've had to learn how to thrive with that presence being absent from your life, I think that can always be the best revenge when someone learns that irrespective of their actions, you will be continue to thrive or continue as normal. So yeah, I I think success is the best revenge because especially when someone has acted in a malicious way towards you, the fact when you can arrive at a point where you your emotions are not affected by that person's presence or their influence. I think that's always the best revenge because a lot of the time, especially when someone's acting in malice towards you with human connections, is that they're trying to get some form of validation, whether it's projecting their own insecurities or their own inferiority complexes on you, or whether it's like they have their own idea of a traumatic act you've done against them and they're trying to make you feel the same thing as them. Um, I think if you you don't react to any of that, that can be ultimately rewarding because you're showing that it doesn't affect somebody. And I always found that like, especially for people that I would have probably thought about getting revenge against before, is that the less I would react, the more malicious they would become because they were trying to get a rise out of me. And I learned that by getting a rise out of you, people they have some level of control over you. So through, I guess, the journey of emotional and spiritual growth and maturity and getting older, and also this has all happened concurrently when I've kind of, been fixated on achieving an objective for myself as essentially in terms of having a successful career in comedy. And that's really helped me kind of get a certain kind of peace because it's very rare a lot of the time, I suppose, where you can make an affirmation about yourself and then be able to prove it. And I've been able to be in a position where I can show instead of having to tell people. And so I have probably arrived at a point now where irrespective of what people's perceptions might be, or if people make derogatory statements about me, as a person or as a comedian, the proof is now there in the pudding. And that's always going to be the best revenge. And I guess over time and experience, I've understood that if some people aren't going to like you, they're never going to like you. Or because you are prospering, people won't like you. And I think once you're able to embrace and understand that, then that's always the best kind of revenge is that that person who's seeking attention or seeking a rise or seeking a reaction from you can't get one. Then that's how it says they're already beginning at the scent now. Into isolation and loneliness. And for me, like that's loneliness is the real hell, especially for us as a social species. Or if because that person, I always believe that for a person to project malice, they have to observe it within themselves. And if you don't give these people this outlet, they're left with all that hatred and all that anger to turn inward. And that's all they're left with by themselves. And I think that is a that's the best form of vengeance is that when someone has malice or someone's bad mind towards you, if you're not around, then that's all they got to have that by themselves
1: yeah and it's one of these things
2: where like even if if someone screws their face at you then they might look at you a certain way you might be like why is that person looking at me in that way if you're not around they're going to look in the mirror with that face and they have to look at a frown of themselves all the time and if someone and I and I always think you know one of the biggest indicators of success for me has been the fact that some of the things that used to bother me about maybe negative uh references or connotations about me they don't bother me anymore and I think that's a big part of being as that's a big part of the revenge as well is that because it doesn't bother me, that person's left with that toxicity to themselves and they no longer have the outlet of me validating whatever negative commentary they can make about me. And I've seen the change in a lot of people, especially because we're getting a lot older now as well. And I think a lot of people's egos and a lot of people's platitudes that have been negative have had to change now because they're now dealing with the rigors of being um, older now. So they haven't got the same vitality. It, it, it can be very exhausting keeping up a beef. Yeah, and when it you can you know, be, that's very yeah, well when, said. You go, when you got go to work as well as you know deal with other dependents and deal with your own the loss of your own vitality and mortality, it can be very difficult. Like I've seen people who look just a perfect example being people who may have looked at my physique and made comments as a projection of their own security, are now morbidly obese themselves, and all of a sudden they don't they don't seem to be so vocal about people's bodies anymore <laughs> because they know they're the fattest person in the room.
1: Maybe they projected it
2: onto themselves Oh, Exactly, and I think that's exactly what happens And I think a lot of time, probably even The beginning of that malicious narrative Stemmed from their own insecurity And what people tend to do is that like, they tend to attack people Because if you appear to be more confident Than they are, people can resent that because they lack That within themselves, so they'll try to attack it Because they can't find it within themselves, so I've noticed that but um, yeah. I just even the fact that yeah. now it's a
3: good qu it's a good it's a question, question, though, right? What a great question! It's a great question. Considering
1: oh. I came up with it on the spot, I'm great, I love that for me. I'm very proud of myself.
3: You've nailed it! <laughs> You've nailed it. And we had, we had well no done. doubt in you, Karina. That's the thing. Thanks. you will never yeah. too from Howard. And, just I. so you know, yeah. There's no beef from us that you came up with. On but the if spot, you have a so beef clear. and you need to hire some
2: mercenaries to help you with that yeah. beef, have you me got my bag? Yeah, we've got your bag. many have you got
1: my bag?
3: Well, I'm a little bit busy with bring yeah, the okay, baby. Sure, bring the
1: baby. You haven't, sure. seen, you haven't sure. seen the TikToks where that parents wind up their kids, say like we've got to go and fight, and they're bringing their kid. Are you coming? Are you coming to fight? And the kids are like, yeah, like I've got you. Maybe, <laughs> we'll have your back too. Howard. Bring them along.
0: Hold up.
3: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Okay, good. Well, that actually segues perfectly into my question uh, because um, your work, Karina, in the field of, well, how should I describe it? Discursive discursive looks at the, the world of mothering. Uh, is that a fair, fair? Some of your work yeah. kind of covers that, yeah. right? Um, I had an experience this week, uh, listeners, where uh, I went into hospital with my wife and uh, she uh had a human being uh taken out of her body, um, and uh, it made me completely in awe of her and also kind of think god how have we ended up in a civilization in which the equality that we've been fighting for um surely we should have been looking at the other equality we should have been going women get more, because they're the ones creating everyone. Uh, the blokes don't do half as much, uh, even not even nearly as much, um, so it should be 60-40 in women's favour, really. Uh, so my my question is, if you if it was all in your favour, uh, what, what do you think women should do, do with it? If, if, if it was suddenly like, you know, you guys had a lot more power, as you clearly should, because you're the ones doing the fucking that's the hardest job. I, I mean, I, can you even imagine how difficult it would be to get people like me and Dane <laughs> To deal with childbirth oh my God contractions be a right mess. And... no offense dane, but you know i don't see you taking it well would oh, I no if... i i i would' taken it well
2: howard i, I definitely <laughs> I, I really wouldn't I, I would uh i I would be making up picking up quite the stink, and if I had a partner yeah. who put me in that position, I would let them know for the duration of the pregnancy <laughs> you are largely responsible for this.
1: Which is yeah, what yeah. I hope women should do as well. So I guess. So is the question as a as a is if mums or if women were in charge, or had well, all let's, the power? Let's go
3: for women. But obviously, you are a mum. I feel so like women run the world. Yeah.
1: So I think we would just have to do what we do now and kind of be a delegate. Because I'm not so sure if we were in power, right, and we had all the power mm. in the world, and we could say right. Men, you're going to be the ones that have the children. Like, you've got to go through childbirth. Mm. You've got to have periods. Um, you've got to do all of these things that men physically at the moment cannot do. I honestly don't think you'd be able to handle it. And not you too specifically, <laughs> but just men in general. Like, mm. when, when I see, like, my brother and, like, men around me that aren't well, like, if they have flu, and we'll call it man flu, they're like hmm. they feel like they're dying, and I'm like once a we month. We are guys, dying,
2: Karina. That's how an infection works. There are listen, toxins Dame, building into my muscles. I'm I am dying. My sinus cavity is you. closed. I'm <laughs> I, 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 not I am doing dying. This
1: with you, you're not dying. <laughs> I am dying. A little man flu, right? That you might have once a year, maybe once a year. If 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 you're super lucky, once every two years, right? As women. We menstruate, like we we push out blood, guys, once a month that Mm. we didn't ask for with pain, with cramping, once a month without fail for at least four or five days. And then if we Mm. choose to bring new life into this world without any complications, the fact that we have to go through childbirth at the end of it, like it's, it's painful. I don't think you'd be able to cope. And if you do think you'd be able to cope, Let's put it to the test. On the next <laughs> on the next episode, right, on the next episode, I will gate crash and I will bring you one of those those receptor things that you put on you and it mimics mm. contraction pains. I want to see whether you two would be able to handle Can you it not well.
2: bring me also a mimic epidural as well, please?
1: No, because I didn't have an epidural. I had nothing when I gave birth. I what? had no gas in air. Why no epidural,
3: Why? nothing. Why was that out of interest? Because... Why?
1: They didn't listen to me when I said that I was like, um, I felt like I wanted to push. They didn't listen. So I kind of was left then. And by the time they measured me again, and they were like, oh, you're fully dilated, it's time to push, it was too late to give me the epidural. And Mm. they tried to give me gas and air. And I was like, this is nothing. Like, I cannot feel anything. It's not making any difference. And when I say I couldn't feel anything, I mean, through the gas and air, because I felt every painful trans- oh contraction, mm. every push, every elbow, foot, knee, everything that came out of my wow. vagina, I felt it. So, no, Dane, I cannot bring you an epidural.
3: <laughs> how long uh-huh. were you? Uh, how long were you doing it for?
1: My waters broke when I was actually in labor. So, random fact: I was actually at home playing Call of Duty. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like a man would. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, basically. Because we, we can do all these things that men do. It's just the other way round, it can't work. But I was at home playing Call of Duty on um, on the PlayStation. Someone would argue that do. maybe
2: having birth is a Call of Duty as well, <laughs> which can be equal. Howard,
1: no? Oh, Thanks, Howard. <laughs> <Fenton. laughs> really
2: good, really good work, day. <laughs> Love that. Um,
1: (laughs) So yeah, I was, I was sitting at home playing computer and um, I was like, Oh, it feels like period pains. And someone had said to me, when you go into labor, it feels like period pains." I was like, Oh, could this be it? So I Mm. rang the hospital and they were like, yeah, you know, it could be, but because it's your first baby, um, it's going to take ages. So, you know, just, just, just chill off at home. And I'm like, the fuck chill off at home like no I'm in pain so I went and sat in the bath and I was in the bath and as I was in the bath the contractions were getting closer and closer and closer together so I was like no I need to go to the hospital so I went to the hospital they um sent me to the A&E for pregnant women and I swear to god as soon as I walked through the lady said to me no, babe, you are in full labour. You need to go to um, the labour uh-huh. ward. That's where you need to go. So I don't know what I must have looked like to her for her to see that, but she sent me straight there and um, so went a bro- into a like, a, a, little... bro- a
2: broken control pad in your hand. <laughs> <You've>... yeah, <basically. laughs>
1: you know the shockwave you know, shock one? Yeah, it is crushed in your hand.
2: <laughs> What, what makes you say that? There's <laughs> a piece of your wall where you pulled out the PlayStation from your house. Still, still, and still on trailing on to, behind yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: basically. So I got there, and I would probably <laughs> say from the moment that I sat down in this little broom cupboard that they put me in, um, they came and um, measured me. She was like, "Your three centimeters dilated." So I was like, "Okay, cool." She was like, "I need you to go to the toilet and give us a little um, sample of urine." So I was like, "Okay, fine." The time it took me to go to the toilet and come back, I was like, I need to push. And she was like, oh, no, darling, you're only three centimetres dilated. I was like, no, I like, honestly, I need to push. It literally felt like I and the reason why I knew I needed to push, I literally felt like I needed to do a poo. So I was like, Mm. no, i like everyone had said to me when you're fully dilated, it's time to push. You feel like you want to do a poo. And that's why you hear stories about women like literally shitting themselves whilst in labour so I it's
2: was the like, worst part for me it is the worst part for me and will be the biggest <laughs> yeah, will not, be the biggest not, test I'm of the relationship that, Howard I'm not watching someone I love defecate on a bed I can't do it Howard I'm not doing that it that is going to be the least
1: of your problems I, you then, say that guys me. but
2: seriously I just, Okay. Can you
1: imagine the smell and everything?
2: That's is what I'm saying. I'm not watching somebody. <laughs> You'll get used to that. You'll get used to that somebody in the coming months. empty a on a bed where life is supposed to be created. I, I, just, I just don't know. People are like, and, and this is the thing, when my friends every, when friends have become fathers, they're always like, I'm in awe of my wife. I want to thank her so much for bringing my child into the world. Somebody who's on a bed, bro. You need to put an asterisk there, Howard. It's would be like, I love... <laughs> they don't even say that in wedding vows, in sickness and in health, and in case she to sh- the bed. I'm, I'm, just,
3: yeah. I'm just, it's a little bit like you know when someone uh, someone scores a lot of goals in a football season. He's like, yeah, but twelve of them were penalties, so you know it's not quite <laughs> of the same I, I thing. I don't know how it is. It's it, hard it's to not find an analogy. Same,
1: Dane. It's not the same. You've got to just you know ignore the smell and still rub her back this, my and goodness. you know help encourage <laughs>
2: It's gonna take a lot. I'm gonna be like, Do- Doctor, is it? Are you are you seeing this?
1: <laughs> I did not go to bed. I'm so uh, be glad to know. Uh, good. did I did uh, Good.
3: And and how and how long <laughs> how long was it? It was quick. Yeah, I
1: think I was probably at home for maybe like two hours. Then maybe like the 45 minute right. journey to the hospital, and then right. by the time I got onto the labour wards and actually gave birth, I'd probably say it was maybe like 45 minutes to an hour, so much so oh,
3: wow! my
1: sister was meant to be my second birthing partner and she rocked up into the, my room, labour room, with like a charger, a bottle of water, like supplies, right? She thought I was going to be in labour forever and she walked in and my daughter was on my chest and she was like, oh, I missed it. I was like, yeah, sorry, came too quick, babe,
3: came too quick. <laughs> But it's like some people like my sister in law was in labor for five days. Like
1: I honestly, so. I have got a lot of respect for people that are in labor for longer than four hours. Because if I was to have another child and I'm in labor for longer than three, four hours, I'm gonna tell them just cut the baby out of me because I like even now it's like PTSD from the contractions and the pain.
2: I'm assuming so the people PS that PS for post traumatic and not for poo. <laughs> <laughs> <In>.
1: <laughs> maybe it's eat, Seriously, doping? I don't, maybe I, it's either or. I just, maybe, I, maybe it could be both. Can
2: I just ask you a question? If I did like this, is, does that look supportive? If I'm like...
1: No, I'm
3: not, it doesn't look no? supportive.
1: Same. Nope, not at all. Just, no, no. you just got to suck it's, it up. It, uh, <laughs> and it is Not it's, literally. It's good, um, <laughs> it prepares yeah. you anyway for all the dirty nappies that you're going to have to um, experience.
3: Yeah, I mean, I haven't had any of that, by the way, because we we've had two kids... By c-section for a few reasons and um blimey that's that's not as dramatic but still what women do how you guys do it i just think this we've got this world yeah. very screwed up because uh we yeah yeah the power should be with the women the i mean it should it be, should be the, the whole women. thing together it's been a real visual um <laughs> i'd rather I'd rather, he- I'd, I'd rather hear about it
2: for now if it, the two centers now <laughs> Hearing about it uh, rather than seeing it, Howard, if I could choose.
3: But either way, uh, hey, big respect to every woman on the planet who deals with uh, all the things that the world throws at them and still manages to kind of, you know, do what women do. I don't know. Just, I just this week was like the defining moment where I was like, yeah, this is nuts that there's ever been any debate about equality. It's like, if, if anything, we are less. And, and no offense, Dane, and I think our response to the whole poo thing kind of proves. That yeah, I would lie. I was, I'd be.
2: Sque- I'd be screaming. If you might have to, the, someone will yeah. have to bring some smelling salts for me because.
1: Well, you, that, I was yeah. going to say a lot of there's a few men that actually do pass out.
2: I definitely could. I, I could definitely see myself fainting from not from the actual process of childbirth I, and I, going down the birth canal.
3: I would say that I don't. I was never close to passing out because obviously in a C-section you don't, yeah. you're not really seeing anything, and then, and then obviously this thing arrives. But I would say just to wrap this up that. um... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the anticipation, you know, like I'm, I'm. It's a spectator sport for the for the guy. We're not, we're not doing much. Like, sure, I'm trying to support my wife, but we're not doing a lot. And um, yeah, the first time, I was like a wreck with anxiety. This time, a bit better, but still, still nerve wracking stuff, guys. And uh, all love and luck to everyone out there trying to do it because it ain't, <laughs> it ain't simple. We're gonna send you some simple.
1: coffee. Howard, don't worry. We're going
3: to send you lots of coffee. Yeah, no, that's probably a good idea. Um, Dane, it's been a f- fantastically fun episode. Where are you going to take us with your? I questions? feel like
2: it would. Uh, I wouldn't be de- giving due diligence to the sanctity of birth giving if I didn't remain within the same subject. And obviously, Karina has mentioned some of the difficulty in terms of not being listened to, even when you were describing your symptoms. Um, mm. And obviously, I think it's a subject that's come up with black mums up front in terms of how overrepresented black women and women in colour with mortality in maternity. But I don't want to keep it too dark. So I wanted to ask, obviously, based on what I've heard, if I feel like the issue largely is, as Tawina said, is that because men don't give birth, I think relatively little research goes into obstetrics and gynecology in terms of making the whole process easier. Because in the in the, in the space of time where the process of childbirth has it still remained quite similar. Like, you know, we've been able to like transplant hair onto men's heads and... Viagra to stop erectile dysfunction. We've been able to work that out as well. You can give people six packs and there's been a lot of leaps in uh, cosmetic surgery which make people look like they, they, they uh, will be alive longer than they are and we can kind of turn back the clock. But, you know, when the clock begins, we're not doing a lot of research into that. So my question to you, Karina, is as an emissary for birth givers uh, and um, one of the uh, early birth giver on the show... My question is, if money is an object and the only, the only limitation here is your imagination, what can men or the world do to make the science of obstetrics and just gynecology and the process of childbirth easier for women?
0: Um,
1: if money wasn't an object?
2: Yeah, or like technology. just The only limitation is your imagination in terms of what could be done to make the process easier for women.
1: So first of all...
2: Or birth givers, I should say.
1: They would need to make... Um, if they couldn't make men... Be the birth givers. Like if they couldn't do like womb transplants into male bodies, that's al- and like, that's already
2: a thing. First of all, so I think there's there's a scientist in India who was performing the first womb transplant. So really, yeah. So you're basically saying that there should be a discussion to see who de- just to delegate who carries the child. Who
1: should, yeah, who carries the child. <laughs> that's number one. That should be it. So like for example, like what
2: determines who carries the child in a family? So that you and your partner are like we're we're gonna have a baby, but we need to decide who carries the child and delivers. What, what's the you, criteria? Have, you, can,
1: you know, as a woman, I would be like, well, it's always been us that's done it. So now it's your turn, buddy. Here you go, babe. You're, you, it's, not, it's not up for discussion. I'm telling you, I'm delegating that you are going to be the one that carries the baby. So that would be number one, that they should um, be able to transfer a womb into dad, for dad to carry the baby. Mm, um, right. <laughs> are you looking forward to that, Howard? Yeah, yeah I, 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 I
2: just don't feel uh, like it's fair it's just like because you haven't done it before. Do you know you what life's not
1: fair, Dane. For us, we have periods. Life's not fair. We suck it up every month, so it is what it is. You know, life isn't fair. That's life. So
2: yeah, but you know, sometimes when I get my hair cut, it stings, and that hurts for a while. And yeah, one time, sometimes I'm, when I'm
1: getting cane rows or like a relaxer, or sometimes you know I'm wearing a wig and it comes off. And it's embarrassing and it hurts my pride. Wish I could wear a wig.
2: I can't wear a wig though, because I I look like a corrupt president if I wear a wig. (laughs) So wigs aren't an option for everybody. Or I might look like Al Sharpton, which has its pros and cons. (laughs) Cons, So I I don't have the wig privilege you have, but fine.
1: Well, yeah, you'd suck it up. That's fine. Um, Number two, I had morning sickness. I can't remember. It's called hyperemis grab grab a something which is like extreme mm. morning sickness that normally you have it just in the morning for like the first couple of months of pregnancy and you're fine. I had it twenty four hours a day for eight and a half months. I had oh morning God. sickness. It was awful. So
2: have, I they, have think- they worked on, have they improved the pill cause I think this thalid- is my th- thing. I feel thalid- like this is thing. I think thalidomine was the original one for it morning sickness. I mean, not only did it do nothing, it had terrible, terrible side effects, as we all side know. Side effects,
1: right. So I feel like they should put, because so like many, many women. Morning sickness. And like, there's women, like I know women who have had terminations because in previous pregnancies they've had severe morning sickness and they just couldn't hack having it again for nine months. So they've terminated pregnancies. Which I think is really unfair. And yeah. in this day and age, if in twenty twenty two I just find it so hard to believe that there's not an anti sickness medication that works for women sure. who that is safe for them and that has morning sickness for nine months. So right. I so that, think that's a that one. would be should be yeah. more morning sickness pill.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yep.
1: And then I the agree. third one for me would be why and I'm gonna swear and I apologize. But given this is your pod and Howard's pod, I'm sure feel you free, Feel there, free to swear. And also, swear, don't, lim- don't limit swear yourself to three awesome. things either. Why? It could be as many things
2: as you want. As many things as you want.
1: Why the fuck is pregnancy, birth, so painful? Why can we not have a pill or something that takes away painful contractions? Like, I just don't understand. So that alone I would have. And also, something that helps families out there that, you know, I know we have IVF and stuff like that, Um, and we, you know, especially with black women not being listened to, losing their babies, sometimes losing their own lives, just money behind improving maternal healthcare for everybody. But for me, it definitely would be taking away the pain of childbirth because, God damn I don't even know how to describe right. that pain. Like, I really don't know how now to are describe Are we talking
2: painkillers or are we talking, like, local anaesthetic? So would you prefer, would you prefer like... Local
1: to... anaesthetic. If or or, or general the pain, anaesthetic. If the one that knocks you out completely. Also general anaesthetic. I want, so you're I, yeah, I just want to wake up. I just want to wake up, come round, and they're like, here you go, Karina, here's your baby, and then and we, just give we, it to me. Also, like, also we've
2: done your hair. And, uh... Yeah, we've done your
1: hair. We've done your hair. We've got your stomach back flat, flat, like... You're back good as new. Nice. That would that would be what I'd be putting the
3: money behind. But it's so there are so many downsides to it, aren't there? Because of, it, heartburn is like a big thing, isn't it? When you're pregnant, yeah. the heartburn that my wife suffered yeah. was like... and heart, I get a little bit of heartburn from like, I don't know. I remember I went to TGI Friday's once. <laughs> <laughs> that will do that for you, you know,
1: Howard.
3: And Yeah, I mean, I genuinely for about three days after, like, what is that? And it's like, oh, it's just this worst heartburn ever from like way too many... Cheap ribs. Um, (laughs) But, like, that's like nothing, isn't it? That's like nothing. I've had heartburn too. These ribs
2: were smothered with a (laughs) bourbon based barbecue sauce that didn't sit well with me, Karina. I know your pain. And I don't
1: even know if it was was actual ribs that they gave me.
2: Once I had chili cheese fries, knowing full well I'm lactose intolerant, and that was quite (laughs) spicy for me too. So we know what you're talking about, Karina, don't
3: we, <laughs> <Alan>? <laughs> I'm trying to <laughs> sympathise. I'm trying to I'm too... <laughs> doing
2: my Some fajitas I had that were sizzling came with some chipotle and it was quite
3: <laughs>
1: It was quite spicy very similar to topper, yeah. I could imagine.
3: Yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> but I've just noticed I've just noticed this time with my wife, you know, it's like months and months of heartburn. I'm like that's just horrific, horrific experience for someone Obviously, to have to you know a don't woman, do.
1: being a woman is just like it has its its positives. You know, um, hmm. we don't physically get like hard ones or anything like that randomly in public. But the things we have to go through, like period pain, pregnancy pain, heartburn related to pregnancy, like...
2: Crampings. Yeah, just... um, I've got an idea on that basis and I call it maternity wine. If there was a wine that women could drink during their pregnancy that had no detrimental effects on their babies, I think I would be a very... Rich individual, mm. and I would take a lot of those profits and reinvest it into obstetrics and gynaecology. But yeah, would you? Now? I mean, Howard, <laughs> I have. So, if I could make maternity one, right Howard, so like I have a lot of money, yeah. so I could definitely easily invest in an.
1: Obs- he doesn't. Obst- when he's ready to have kids, Howard, he doesn't want to see his partner in <laughs> the bed, so that's his motivation no. behind it.
2: And she, would be like, "Oh, I had an accident, Dane," and I'm like, "I'm off my fucking face on
3: maternity one." <laughs> oh so, well, I'm. A, I am. Well and and then he put all that money from maternity wine into toilet beds. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that were these new great inventions. That's, for Dane I, I oh my god, yeah, where you have that like well. little
1: hole where your bum where you lie down, <coughs> so you lie your bum in the hole and then if you poo during during childbirth, it goes into the toilet yeah. underneath the bed anyway. There
2: you yeah. go. Yeah. So I think we're on something. At least someone's taken the initiative yeah. to make the process easier for women. I'm just saying maternity wine. No, you are you this, are this, a hero. Look, Howard, you get <laughs> regular wine, cooking women. wine, you get dessert wine. Yeah. I'm telling you, yeah. maternity, maternity wine, wine. That's where it's at as well.
1: We I think i would definitely you, help. On behalf of on behalf of all women
3: Just, babe, just trying. We, we we salute you. Just trying. I often have thought in the recent times leading up to the birth of this child, um, it's called Charlie, by the way. Hello, Charlie. If you ever listen to this, uh, and I, and actually, this is interesting. Links to it, it really, is that it's, the last couple of months, you'd be like, "Ah, oh, this would be really useful if you could kind of communicate better with us," because obviously, you're just inside <laughs> the body. But like, you know, it could literally be like two knocks for yes, one <laughs> knock for no. Uh, <laughs> I'm not doing language skills; that seems inappropriate. But if you could kind of, you know. Uh, <laughs> Pass like messages between the baby. <laughs> that would be helpful because you know you you kind of wonder what's going on in there, and, and he seems totally. Is that is that yeah. is that?
2: Can you can you check? You can do like an allergy test, right, of what a kid's allergic to and stuff when they're initially yeah, born and stuff. You get a lot of tests, yeah. Before so that probably yeah. helps and stuff as well. But I feel like is that? Oh, here is other idea. Cravings. I think if you register cravings as a woman, then it can be like meals on wheels. So there is like an NHS service that delivers it to you. Because I got a lot of friends and they were on the other side of their partner's cravings. It would be like 11 o'clock at night. And then she'd just be like, I want KFC. And he'd be like, that's an hour away. And she'd be like, your son is a month away. And he'd have to go and get KFC. And then he'd call me and be like, (laughs) like, what the hell are you doing? I'm just on my way to get KFC and buy some ice cream. And I'd be like, so you're going to make what? He's like, yeah, so I've got to go to 24-hour Tesco's. And then I've got to go and get some KFC. And I'd be like, why are you doing that? And he'd be like, because my wife wants it. So I feel like there should be a service where once you determine your wife's uh, cravings, it's kind of like a baby Ocado and they can just bring it to the house. So it's like, uh, there's somebody here, order the pork chops and candy floss. That's me. And then
1: that makes know. sense. That may, Again, I think you're onto a moneymaker there. I, just, I, just, I think I you're onto a winner. I
2: just don't want any trouble. <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> don't want any trouble, please. Um what, yeah. about, what about clothing?
3: Prego, what about Prego clothing? Express. Prego Express, Prego would Express really exactly. Well what about
2: clothing, Karina? Like, what, what would you say? Is, is there a healthy amount of footwear that caters to the expected mother or expectant birth giver?
1: I think that there they didn't used to be a lot of maternity clothes or stylish maternity clothes and footwear and stuff for women. But I think now mm. they definitely have, you know, you see places like Boohoo, misguided, and all of those kind of young, fashionable kind of places that are now doing maternity wear and maternity lines so yeah I think I think we're covered on that part but um, what I would like is so that I don't have to walk maybe someone that just comes with like a wheelchair and just takes you everywhere that you need to go you don't have to walk I mean, when you're like heavily great. pregnant
2: I think, I think that's a good idea I, I did great. have because my other the thing is I asked this question because I wanted to make obviously the process of maternity and uh, birth giving should be as easy as possible because it ensures the health and continuation of our species but then I was also going to suggest if there was an airline which specifically catered to expectant mothers or families, mm. would you guys be more happy about that? Or if there's an airline where there are no children allowed over a certain I, age?
1: I, def- I definitely wouldn't want to be on an airplane that just has kids on there because kids are annoying. Like my own, my own daughter was extremely annoying at that early age, so I definitely wouldn't want that. But I think, I, I think there should be. What I hear a lot, a lot of like conversations about is, you know, people be like, "Oh, this person was on the, the thing, and their baby kept on crying, and blah blah blah, and it was super annoying." It's like they can't help that. They're babies. Do you know what I mean? Like they can't help if they're crying. Everyone's paid their same money to be on a flight. And I know if it's, if it's long haul, it can be super annoying, but yeah, I don't know how we, maybe you have like, like baby only cabins. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Or some mm-hmm. kind of like uh hot towel that's got like lavender that makes a baby go to sleep.
1: Yes. I, I was,
2: I, I think chloroform would be too strong to put on a, like baby chloroform hmm. would be too strong. <laughs> but,
3: Baby yeah, that'd be too strong. You know? And
2: uh, however, if there is a pattern available for it, I do want to get that. But
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think all chloroform. What yeah, does that I mean? Yeah, yeah, it probably age, works. Yeah, yeah by
2: yeah, dosage. Yeah. But I feel like yeah. if there, uh, This to make the process easier, is maybe have maternity seats.
3: So that could mm. probably be a oh, thing yeah, on a flight. Cause definitely. But women, pregnant women, aren't supposed to fly, Dave. Oh. So no, I think you fly project. up
1: until you're like seven or eight months pregnant, maybe.
3: Yeah, but that's the easy bit, right? Yeah, the- I'm joking. I'm joking. I mean, I mean to, be, joking. to be honest,
1: Howard, even if they said we couldn't fly, I probably still would fly because I'm right. a rebel, yeah, yeah. you know?
3: Depends where you're going, though, yeah. doesn't it? Depends where you're <laughs> yeah. going. Um, but this uh, this has been a fascinating trajectory across this episode of vengeance and then uh, rebirthing and, uh, and birthing conversation. Dane, we've covered a lot in this episode, Absolutely. right? Absolutely.
2: I feel like most. I've learned that most birth givers seek some level of revenge on their children. But the main reward is they grow up to be a version of themselves. That's what I gleaned. And I can say that safe from this proximity of, A, not having a womb, and so not being having to menstruate on a monthly basis, and also not having to give birth. But I will continue to be an ally to mothers and birth givers everywhere and hear about your stories of labour and pretend like I care. Oh, ah, uh, really? <laughs> Three centimetres dilated? Oh, my God. <laughs> so, and I'll continue to act like I care about that.
3: Well, we have all learned so much today. Uh, thank you for the for of being an excellent, tolerant guest of two men uh, who will never give birth. Uh, you've done a fine finish job. into my
2: trauma regarding... The process of giving birth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're welcome. Thank you. That you someone listen to listen to my angst. You. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like someone <laughs> to listen to my angst when it comes to the process of giving birth. It's important. I really yeah, appreciate you important doing important it for me, listened. Karina. Um,
1: Thank you for having me.
2: Pleasure. And for our listeners, where can they find out more about your good works and musings regarding motherhood, otherwise, past, present, and future?
1: They can find me. You can follow me on socials, which is underscore Karina with a C W H, across Twitter and Instagram. If you fancy listening to the pod you can find it on all streaming websites which is black mums up front you just need to search on apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts um and yeah i think you don't just to just a disclaimer even though we're called black mums up front you don't need to be black you don't need to be a mum um the conversations aren't around oh my baby's so amazing they're actually really funny so yeah check it out you've been a wonderful guest thank you it's been a pleasure, boys. And um, hopefully
3: Whenever you want to babysit Whenever you want to babysit Just let me know I'll let you Uh,
1: know Howard I've got way more I've got to way more trust in you Than Dane Who's going (laughs) to run From the sight of a little
2: poo You know There's a part of me Before my ego Would be like Speaking up and be like I think you're fine Nah that's fine I'm (laughs) going to take I'll take that prejudice Towards me I'll be like Fair enough Different strokes For different (laughs) folks
1: Thanks for having me guys Thanks
3: Karina You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself, Howard Cohen. Our guest was Karina White. You can follow Karina on Instagram at underscore KarinaWH. For more from Dane and myself, make sure you follow us on Instagram at DaneSnaptiste and at the Howard Cohen. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Dane, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram at DBQE podcast, and we could feature you in our next episode. Thanks for listening, guys, and remember, question everything. Insanity Group.
0: Hold up, what was that?